welcome again. Thanks for being here. This morning, I have the privilege to continue with the series that Pastor Mike is taking us through, which is on the Sermon on the Mount. So I pray that uh, the Word of God will be spoken to your heart this morning, as it has already started to do so since the first service. Um, I'm excited to be here. I am truly excited to bring God's Word to His people this morning. So, um, Pastor Mike has been leading us in the, on the Sermon on the Mount, and we are here right now um, in Luke 6, verse 27, 36. You have that on your um, worship folder, but before we read that, I just want to make a few points, and then we're going to read it, and then we're going to go from there. So, Luke, uh, an historian, a doctor, a physician who knows his stuff, knows how to write, one of the great, great, great writer in the New Testament, decides to take on this passage, which is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaching his disciple. But in Luke 24, going to um, fast forward a little bit, Luke talks about Jesus' resurrection. And the way that he portrays it is a little bit different than the average um, writers. First of all, he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he says the first witnesses that saw that Jesus truly rose from the dead, they were women. That's a red flag there. Why? Because if, you, if you're writing a story, and you want the Jewish people and the Romans to, to really think that it's true, you cannot use women to validate your point. Why? Because women don't have value. As a matter of fact, if you go in court and you're trying to defend a case, but you're using women as, as witnesses, totally discounted. Now, he's making a point to say that our Savior really rose from the dead, and he's using women. Why? Because he's not making it up. Because he's smart enough to know, if, you, if I want to make this up and make it believable, I would definitely go a different route. But the last part of this passage, which is very interesting, after those guys saw Jesus for the first time, they started worshiping him, which is also almost contradictory to the way that their theology is set up. Those Jewish folks who don't even want to write God's full name, they think it's blasphemous. They use four words just to paraphrase how they say God. Now they saw a man in flesh and they worship him as God. That is big. So Luke is making those points to make us realize that this guy who is teaching, who have been teaching, who have been taking us through those, those, those valuable lessons, he is indeed the Messiah. He is indeed God. I said that to lead us to Luke 6, 27 to 36. To make you realize that this guy who is asking us to enter this lifestyle through his teaching, he is the Messiah. It's not me. It's the Bible. It's not, it's not theology. It's not what we learn in school. It's God's word. So would you please open up your worship folder 
And let's see what Jesus has to tell us this morning. If you want, you can read along with me. Luke 6, 20, Luke 6 27 through, through 36. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that for? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and let them with, without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Tough teaching. Tough teaching. But I think I got your attention because I told you it wasn't my teaching. It was Jesus' teaching. This is what Jesus is asking of us this morning. To me, I found it almost. He's asking us to flip our mindset. To look at life totally differently than the way that we were taught to look at it. Flip the Christian mindset. And, and I'm going to go ahead and say that unless you flip it, you will live an upside down Christian life. And, and I, I know that if I would put it in different terms, just like the, the passage just says to, to love your enemies, it's almost like to love your haters. Who sings that song? Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. Is it Taylor Swift, right? Can I, can I quote Taylor Swift what I'm preaching? I just did. Forgive me, Jesus. So in a sense, haters gonna hate. Jesus is asking us to love our haters. To love the ones who are considered to be our enemies. There's a little saying that I learned a long time ago. So I, I learned it in French. So I tried to Google and see how I could translate it. It says, it says this. Return good for good is human. To return evil for evil is bestial. To return evil for good is satanic. But to return good for evil is divine. To return good to those who are hurting you is straight from God. We were not born naturally like that. There has to be something else that needs to take place into our lives to fully grasp this truth that Jesus is talking to us about to love those who are our enemies. Luke 6, 27 to 36 is an invitation for the church to go deeper and change their mindset, the way that they interact with people on a day-to-day -day basis, so they can experience a profound understanding of what the kingdom of God is about. 
it is giving us the Sermon Mountain as a sermon to totally change our mind. It is a call to deeper spiritual growth, deeper maturity in our Christian walk. The very first few verses of this passage says this, but to you who are listening, I think this may be interpreted as, 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 as this, two ways. The first way is Jesus could easily say, those who are here, this group of people that I'm talking to who are listening right now, this is what you need to do. But I also think that it can be interpreted as this. Though there's a group of people here, but the few who are part of this group who are truly listening, this is what I'm telling you. Why I say that is because I believe that not because we are at Jesus' feet or in the sanctuary, we are all listening. Sometimes God is talking to just a few. Why? Not because his word is not available to all of us, but just because only a few of us are truly listening to his words. There's, there's, there's an effort that needs to happen. To be fully emotionally and spiritually engaged when you are part of a group of people. So my question to you this morning, which part are you in this morning? Are you just part of the overall group of people looking good, just listening to the word of God this morning? Or are you part of those people who, whose heart is really paying attention to what he has in store for you this morning? Jesus says, love your enemies. This is not a religious pill that most leaders or social activists or, or even Christian pastors are asking their followers to just swallow. This is not about to, 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 to get what you, what you deserve. This is not about, the, 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 you don't know who I am, so you can't ask me to love those who are hurting me because you don't know what they've done to me. This is not about protecting yourself. This is totally opening up your heart, your soul, and everything that you are and say, here I am. I'm not protecting myself, but I know one who can protect me. This is mind-flipping. Instead of shielding yourself, you say, here I am. Because you're fully grounded into the knowledge, knowing that there is one that stands behind you that will never fail you. But we're not wired that way. You say this, I say that. Oh, you think you're going to hurt me? I'm going to hurt you even worse. You think you can bail on me? I'm going to show you how it feels to be bounced on. I heard some giggles. I heard some hmm, hmm. And a true comedian always wants that. They want both response. This is not about protecting yourself, folks. This is not about a life that is led by the application of saying that revenge is a dish best served cold. I say that revenge is a dish best served when it's not served at all. Revenge only satisfies for a moment. 
And every time that you act vindictively, you put a stain on your soul. That many counseling sessions cannot necessarily remove. You put a stain on your soul that only the Holy Spirit can come and remove. Because revenge only satisfies the flesh. Never satisfies the soul. Being able to let go and let God satisfies the soul, although it can be seen as weakness. The reason why the concept of living your, loving your enemies is so hard for us to practice is because we are taught from a young age that we are our ultimate bodyguards. What if, what if we've learned to receive God, his hands, to be our protection? It is uncomfortable to live a life where you can be vulnerable, but you trust in God. It's almost like what Jesus is telling us in this story is, this is how you should live. But yet the way that God is asking us to live feels so uncomfortable to us. To the world, this is abnormal. But yet, according to the Bible, that's, what's, that's normal. So you see how the mind has to be retrained? You see how we need to be renewed in the way that we live life? Because what the Bible says to us is completely abnormal to us. It's almost like it's abnormal behavior, but yet, according to the Bible, this is the way to live. To love those who are your enemies. I remember a few years ago, I, I, I grew up in Haiti. Um, and there was a time where, where things were really tough for my parents. So I missed uh, quite a few months in school. Quite a few months. And finally, my parents got the mo enough money to send me back to school. So I went back. But I was so behind that I was struggling. And I remember one day I was taking a test. And this, uh, this professor, um, teacher, uh, later on I'm going to find out that she had some issues with my older brothers. As I'm taking the test, and she just called out my name and said, you're done because you were cheating. You were asking your, your, your neighbor uh, uh, questions about the test. I'm like, no. She said, yes, you're done. Took my paper, and I was done. Didn't even finish the test. And, and, then, and then I sensed that I needed to confront her. So I went back later on. I said, you and I both know that I was not cheating on that test. Why did you do that? She said, I know you weren't. But since I already made the decision, it was already made. Later on, I found out that she was a business partner with one of my um, brothers and, and didn't go well. And she knew that about me because I didn't know that she was teaching. I was new to the school because I missed a lot of, of class. And, and I resented that lady. Because as a result of that, a school that I love so much, my grade was so poor that they kicked me out at the end of the year. And, and, and I was the first one of my family to be kicked out out of a school because of grades being so low. And, and if you know anything about me, I love school, but I suck at it. But I don't want anyone to know that. <laughs> if it's going to go down, let me go down by my stuff. Do not help me to get there. And I resented her. I hated her. And, 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 and I had a lot of questions for God. Why? You know, it's one thing to feel like you 
collecting, you're weep, reaping the, the, what you have sown, but it's, it's something else to, to reap grief and, and trials and tribulations and hardships when you are innocent. Love my enemies. Uh, your soul may have a sworn enemy that your mind doesn't allow you to admit. You may have someone that deep down inside that you truly can't stand, but you reason your, your, yourself out of thinking that you truly hate that person. You, we have to be anchored in God's love. This is one of the first points that I'm making. How do you get there? How do you reach the point where you can truly love your enemy? It all starts with God's love. If we are experiencing the love of God deeply, we will be able to love the way that Jesus asked us to love. We experience God's love on a deeper level because we know that we are loved by him. I don't think the problem of the church today is that they don't love God. I think we all love God. But I think we struggle with the knowledge with the truth that we are loved by him. I can tell my wife that I love her 24-7. But until that she realizes for herself that she is loved by me, they are just words. Until she can wake up in the morning and know that there's someone that truly loves her. She can express that on her own. There's an internal change that happened. There's something on the inside that truly tells her that this guy is really, he really loves me. I can say everything that I want to say. I can do everything that I want to do. It won't do anything to her. So I believe that the problem of us, with us sometimes as Christians is the knowledge that we are loved by God. I believe that Jesus is showing his love every day for us as people, but we struggle to understand that. If you don't know that you're loved by God, how can you love others? How can you give what you don't have? How can you allow other people to experience something so deep and so rich when you don't possess it? I believe there are two signs that shows us that sometimes we don't know that we are loved by God deeply. The first one is the spirit of competition. That usually leads to a spirit of fear. So I compete with others because sometimes I found self-worth in that. I am a better person because I can do this better than somebody else. Competition is sometimes something that is anchored from, from, from a lack of knowledge that you are loved. Sometimes kids, brothers and sisters, they compete with each other in an unhealthy way because sometimes they may feel like there's, there's favoritism. Mom and dad loves so-and-so better than so-and-so, so they feel like they need to go out of their way to show that 
I am worthy of something. And, and I believe that sometimes we treat God like that. We think that God loves some people more than he loves us. Why? Because God treats us differently. God loves everybody equally, but God treats everybody differently. Because my needs are not your needs. What I need to get to reach a higher level in my walk with him is completely different than probably what you need to reach a higher level with him. So God treats us differently, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't love us the same. So the issue with that is you feel like if you are doing something wrong or if you don't have something that you need, it's because God doesn't love you. While that other person has what they need or maybe what you need, they have it and you feel like that God doesn't love you. So now you start competing. You start making decisions that will allow you to get what you need while it's not in God's will. So the issue with that is not God is not showing his love, but he's trying to teach me certain things that only the lack of those things would teach me. Only not having certain things that I think that I need, that I want, will teach me that the true lesson that I need to learn. So very often we find ourselves saying that, God, why did you do this? God, why are you not allowing me to, to have this? God, why are you not taking care of me? Meanwhile, God is trying to build your character. God is trying to teach you something that is deeper than anything else that could, that could, that could replace that lesson that you need to learn. God is trying to build your character. Character building never is never easy. It's never easy. Because very often we find ourselves feeling like we're so deprived from what we need. God uses not having certain things to build the character in us. I often think sometimes that we feel like if, it's like God is, would, Jesus would cheat for us with the, the Father. It's almost like when we do something wrong, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father saying, no, it wasn't him. <laughs> no, that's, that's the other Haitian guy who looked like him. It wasn't him. No, 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 that wasn't him coming out of that place. No, it wasn't him. He didn't do it. But Jesus cannot do that because that's, that's out of his character. By nature, Jesus cannot lie. He cannot be evil. So in Romans 8, 34, we found that Christ Jesus who died for us, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of the Father, and he's also interceding for us. The key word there is interceding. The word interceding can also mean to negotiate. Negotiating doesn't mean that it's equal. Negotiating doesn't mean that someone is not at fault. Negotiating is saying that though it may be a little, there may be something there. But would you have grace and mercy? So Jesus at the right hand of the Father is saying that it was him. He did it. 
He lied. He cheated. He, he stole. He did whatever you consider to be wrong. But he's saying, remember, I took that already at the cross. I already paid for that. So the negotiation is happening even when we are at fault. So when you anchor yourself in knowing that no matter what you do, the love of the Father will always remain the same for you, that allows you to have something in you that is deeper. Some of us feel like that God doesn't love us because we get confused those two words, love and discipline. Love and discipline, they go together. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Hebrews 12 verse 6. One of the ways that God shows love is by disciplining you. Because we get love and tolerance to be confused. Secondly, God uses your enemies to build your character because he uses trials from people who don't like you, to mold you into his likeness. In order for me to grow, he targets certain specific areas of my life that need his molding. I remember a few years ago, I had issues having keeping a car. For some reason, my wife and I, we spent probably like five years with one car. But I knew there was something spiritual about it. It's like every time I get a car, it breaks down. I thought I didn't know how to drive at first, but I lended the car to a friend and it broke down while he was driving. I'm like, oh, it's, okay, it's not me. It's not me. It was until probably a year ago I realized that if I had a car on my own, at that place where I was in my life at that time, I would totally use the car to go to places that are not pleasing to God. So I've walked in a lot of snows. I've taken the bus one too many times. I've crossed that Tappan Zee Bridge one too many times in the bus. I've missed buses one too many times. Because God knew I wasn't ready for that blessing. Now, this is the type of relationship that I'm talking about, that when you have with your father and you trust him, at that time, it didn't feel that way. But always remember that God disciplines those that he loves. Jesus had to experience trials from his enemies in order to fulfill God's redemptive plan for us. Jesus sweated blood. I, I found out that it is a legit a legit diagnosis. It, it is a legit uh, sickness. It happens. It's called hematidrosis. It's caused usually by an acute fear or stress where you start really your pores, they start, you start sweating blood. So Jesus literally sweat blood because of his enemies who hated him. And wanted to kill him. I wonder if some of us are ready to sweat blood. In order to reach the destiny. The plan that God has in store for us. Telling you trials and tribulations. They're not there. Because Jesus hates you. They are there because he loves you so much. 
and he's building something in you. Kids who know that they are loved by their parents, by their father, they don't have time to worry about haters. People who know that their father loves them tremendously, their father is for them and not against them, they don't have time to worry about those who don't like them. Because their, 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 their character has already been built. Recently, I was sharing that with some of my friends. Recently, uh, I learned how to swim. Give me a hand clap. Yep, I'll take it. Thank you. I'll take it. Now, the funny thing is, you're probably asking, how come this islander don't know how to swim? Well, it's the case. I don't. So, and I'm going to tell you the story. We recently went to, to, on vacation. It was our fifth wedding anniversary. Thank you. So we went to that underwater cave, right? And, and, and technically, if you really want to experience it, you have to swim through the cave. And you can snorkel and see the fishes and all that great thing. But the only thing is, the guy freaked me out when he said, be careful. Some part of the cave is really shallow. Two feet, three feet. But the very next step that you take can be 12 feet deep. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> Thank you. But now I remember that I wasn't alone. I was with Joanne. So I'm like, uh, you know, it's time Judy's time to be a man. <laughs> so I said, I'll do it. I said, I'll do it. But I found out that they have like some sort of like donut right there. So he, the, the, the tour guide guy can actually steer you. So all I was doing was really holding the donut, he's swimming ahead, and he's pulling me. It felt good. I don't know. I don't know what Joan thought of me, but it felt good. I felt like I accomplished something. But the funny thing is, when I'm around where it's really, really shallow, I'm like, okay, yeah, if anything happens, I can just stand. But when I'm reaching the parts where it's 12, 13, 15 deep, feet deep, I'm like, man, if anything happens, I will not be able to stand. I'm a short guy. <laughs> but I conquered that fear. It felt good to see the 12 feet deep part. So I got back to the resort, and Joan wanted to jump back in the pool. She's like a fish. She loves the pool. I hate the beach. Funny enough, I grew up, I could walk to the beach, but I just don't like it. So all of a sudden, I jumped back in the pool because that's also a mental note for me. Whenever we travel, we go on vacation, Jude, trying to act like you like the water. It will make your vacation much better. So I just jumped back in the pool, and then we chilling. And then all of a sudden, I said, let me try it. I started swimming. It was so strange. I still can't believe it. Joanne took out her phone and started filming me <laughs> because I felt like I was like Lucas, like two, three years old, like Tim's son. And then Danielle is like, go, Jude. That was Joanne. You got it, baby. I'm like, stop. There are other people there. <laughs> Just stop that. You know, later on, you know, you can, I love the praise, but. The way it was being done was a little not too masculine. 
but it felt good anyways. This is, this is what I realized. Because I had faced 12 feet deep, and I believe that the donut will keep me safe with the life jacket, and the tour guide, he got me. He knows what he is doing. When I went back to the pool that was five, six feet, I wasn't scared. Certain things that you will learn in life, you will only get it and be okay to learn it and not being afraid of it only if you have gone through the parts that are scary. So this is a word to you this morning. Whatever part that you are going through right now, whatever your life looks like right now, it can be 20 feet deep right now. You feel like you're going down under and it feels like you will never come back up. I want to encourage you with this. You are only going through it so you can know how to swim. So you know how to navigate. And the funny thing is, when you learn how to swim, this is not just a skill that you learn for yourself. You can also help others. You can save others who are drowning. This is deep, folks. This is deep. That gives you courage to know that your father is with you. Whatever it is. Finance is crazy. The kids are not behaving you haven't seen them in a while. You don't know why. The husband is just tripping because we're good at that. <laughs> or the wife is just, just not there, absent. And you wish your family was better. You wish that your life was better. And it just can't get there. I'm telling you, God got you. I'm telling you, he will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. Why? Because he loves you too much to let you go. He is with you always. He is with you always. So because I know that I love, that my God loved me so much, now I have capacity in my heart to love others, even those who don't love me. This is the apple love that I'm inviting you to this morning. The love that says that your father loves you tremendously. Would you please stand with me? This morning is truly a time To do two things. First one is to experience God's immense love for you this morning. And the second thing is as you receive his love, to release that love to others. And even as I'm, as I'm saying that now, It's almost like I can hear some thoughts right now saying that he really mistreated me. My dad was a mean guy. My mom got upset for no reason and smacked me around for no reason. I really don't know why he fired me. 
when he knew that I relied on that paycheck to take care of my family. It was really unfair. The grief that that has created with co-workers, family members, who are considered in your heart right now to be enemies. God is calling you to release that type of love to them. To have room in your heart even for those who hurt you. To have room in your heart. And, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about just go ahead and, 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 and start confessing. Because sometimes it doesn't work like that. But what God is calling you to is the internal aspect of the deliverance. That happens in your heart. You know when you're delivered. Because you don't feel the same. You know when things are not the same. You know when your heart gets lighter for someone. You know deep inside that this person is no longer a burden. But you look at them as brothers and sisters. Though we hated God, he sent Jesus Christ on the cross to die for us. And when he gets there, we really express how we truly hated him and did not believe in his teaching. He still chose to die on the cross for us. Who are you not to let go of this person that you're holding? There's a little saying in, in Creole that says, Dilivtesulistomaku. In other words, it says, I may be six feet under, I will never forgive this person. And when you live like that, though you're breathing, but you're dead on the inside. And God is calling you to have life this morning. And life more abundantly. God, we heard your word this morning. It may not have came the way that we expected it to come. But God, we want to grab a hold of what you're speaking to us this morning. I believe this is just a starter. I believe that you have more. I believe that you will continue to heal the hearts of those who are really heartbroken over whatever situation they are facing. God, would you come and heal those who are hurting right now? I really sense that the Lord is speaking something a little bit different, so I want to just do that real quick before we end. I believe what is happening in America today with all the tension be, be, be between different races, different ethnicities, I believe that it's hurting even some people that are in church that you probably don't know. I really sense that the, there's, a, there's a, prophetic, a prophetic blessing, a prophetic gift for those who have been, who have been mistreated because of their skin color because of their races because of where they come from and you hold that to your heart in your heart and that is developing in you a sense of you don't like those people and it can happen even in the church don't ignore it because as kingdom minded people God is calling us to serve everyone so 
if you have been struggling with that, that wasn't planned, but if you have been struggling with that, I'm really going to ask you to take a, to take a stand this morning. If you really feel like that, you have been mistreated. And you know it's, it's, it's because of some of those things that I just mentioned. I really want to pray for you specifically this morning. Would you act bold and come forward? It's not a sign of weakness. If there's anyone here who really felt like they are struggling with the fact that they have been on a path where they felt like that, someone totally denied them access to a place where they were qualified for only because of their skin color what they've been through feel free to come forward and as a church we'll pray over you amen I really sense there, there are more again it's not a sign of weakness This is a great pain. The pain that you endure because because you were innocent. You didn't do anything wrong. It is a great pain and it can can really take a big hold on your life. I really sense there are more of you but there's some sort of fear in here that's keeping you behind. very different but I really sense that the Holy Spirit is here for that this morning to bring back wholeness into your life hallelujah as you're standing in your seat would you please um, join me in prayer God, the pain that those folks up here have suffered, they didn't deserve it. Mm. And you're crying over them this morning, God. It, It truly hurt your heart. God, I thank you for their courage and boldness to come forward to say that I want to renounce this fear. I want to renounce this apathy. I want to renounce this hate. I want to renounce whatever that is in my heart that is not of you. And I want to live freely. God, we are all wonderful people in your eyes. Despite our gender despite our skin color despite the country that we are from we are all wonderful people in your eyes unfortunately sin that has entered the world kept people it's keeping people from seeing that we are all your children and because
because of that they act out of fear they act out of ignorance God we forgive them mm. God we forgive our oppressors we forgive those who have hurt us even if it's not us directly those who have hurt our ancestors those who have hurt our family and we release freedom in this place this morning. We release love in this place this morning. We release wholeness in this place this morning. We release transformation in this place this morning. We release the spirit that allows us to love our enemies in this place this morning. No longer will be slave of fear. But we will stand tall knowing that we are children of God. In Jesus Christ we pray, amen. If you want to linger up here, someone will be with you to pray with you. But if not, we thank you for being part of this service this morning. Have a great Sunday.